This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Nally. Our guest this week is Tom Nassif, President and CEO of Western Growers. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by NCIS, the National Crop Insurance Services. America's crop insurance industry provides individualized protection on more than 311 million acres of farmland. Crop insurance remains the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with Tom Nassif next. Today's Open Mic segment is brought to you by America's crop insurance industry, which is thankful for the continued support of farmers, commodity organizations, rural businesses, lenders, and lawmakers who are fighting to maintain a strong farm safety net. America's crop insurance industry, providing individualized protection on more than 311 million acres of farmland. Crop insurance remains the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. Western Growers President and CEO Tom Nassif supports the Trump administration's efforts to level the global playing field for U.S. agriculture, but fears the consequences of retaliatory tariffs on Western growers and the infrastructure they depend on. Well, I do support what the president is trying to do because everyone around the world is trying to take advantage of us. And so it's time we try to level the playing field. My problem is that it's coming at a severe price to agriculture, which the president said he wouldn't let this agriculture be casualties in this trade war. But unfortunately, I don't really see how the president can avoid making agriculture the main casualty in this trade war because the hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars, that are going to be lost to agriculture cannot be made up by some sort of mitigation. Although I know that the Secretary of Agriculture and others are working hard to come up with solutions or ways to mitigate, I don't see that's how, how that's going to be possible for the fresh produce industry. And, of course, some of the, the hardest hit are tree nuts, uh, pistachios, almonds, walnuts, you name them. They're the hardest hit, and I don't see how you can make up for the devastating losses of market share and market even if you try and store those nuts, you lose all the profits that they could have uh, made during that time. Pecans is also a big loser in this. We have a member that's one of the largest pecan producers in the world. And uh, the effects are devastating for him and for his company. And we've got a meeting here in July, and we're going to be discussing all of that uh, in our trade committee. It is said that the Western growers produce about half of the fresh fruits and vegetables and tree nuts that are consumed in the U.S., about half of our organic produce. But how important is the global market to the success of the Western growers? And and what's at stake for your growers now if this trade skirmish escalates or certainly is extended? Well, for example, in China alone, dramatically affects potatoes, almonds, Walnuts in the shell, pistachios, cherries, oranges, grapes, apples, apricots, peaches. Uh, there's no end to the amount. And the new applied rates uh, go from 38% to 65%, mostly hovering around 50%. But uh, the fact is that uh, as far as the pecans are concerned, in many of our tree nuts, we supplied 90 to 95% of all of them to the world. Uh, that's a very difficult thing to overcome 
when you think of the tariff that are going to be applied to those particular commodity groups. Congress is speaking out on the issue. The Senate has taken a vote, a subcommittee of the Ways and Means Committee, spending time talking about the measure. What's your message to the administration? Well, we have a conundrum. We want to support what the president's doing. We do want to have fair trade. We do want to finally say to these countries who have been taking advantage of us, especially China, which is the worst of the bad actors uh, in the world, that enough's enough. And let's do things honestly. Let's do things uh, transparently. And let's do those things which are fair. At the same time, we have to say to the administration, you have to either resolve this issue quickly or figure out different ways to mitigate the losses to our industry. Uh, we're going to be coming up with uh, many uh, recommendations, but frankly, none of them is going to make us whole again. It appears that there is one issue of lost markets and lost revenue for this year, but a bigger issue of the lost momentum and the paradigm shift of supply sources for, uh, in your case, produce, vegetables, and tree nuts. Well, that's exactly right. People are going to say, okay, the United States is not going to be a reliable partner uh, because of the... Uh, the tariffs on aluminum and steel, and even though it's not a big deal, we're going to retaliate against their fresh produce. And we're going to not only uh, add tariffs to them, we're going to look for different markets. Because there are a lot of people around the world, a lot of countries around the world, who would love to see them supplant the United States as the supplier of fresh produce in the world. Let's talk for a moment about NAFTA. How important is NAFTA, and what are the absolutes that you must have and the takeaways that could break the deal in terms of the Western growers? We have advised both the trade representative and the secretary of agriculture that the NAFTA, we believe, overall has been a very good trade agreement for our uh, fresh produce industry, and we did not want to see that disrupted. We do have problems uh, with uh, Canada and Mexico on certain issues. Uh, Certainly the whole question of... uh, sanitary and phytosanitary uh, measurements. We want to make sure that it's all peer-reviewed and it's science-based so that they don't refuse uh, the importation of our products into their country based on specious scientific evidence or political necessity to uh, protect domestic producers. Canada, we've had some of the same issues, but uh, with Canada, we're not afforded the same PACA defense mechanism that we afford them and others in this country. But the Perishable Agricultural Commodities Act has been a very effective tool in helping our producers collect what is due and owing from retailers, and the PACA Trust is what helps us do that. But we don't have that in Canada, and we have been uh, uh, haranguing Canada and their, uh, their retailers to let's even the playing field. We're doing a lot for you, and you're doing nothing for us. So if it's not going to be uh, a fair deal, then maybe you shouldn't have access to the pack of protections you get, your farmers get in our country. Do you have an opinion or a thought on perhaps the administration pursuing separate agreements and then eventually perhaps trying to bring those together into a new and revised accord? I wouldn't tell the United States how to negotiate the NAFTA agreement. We can only tell them what our concerns are as long as they're addressed, whether as a, a part of NAFTA or as part of bilaterals so separately with Mexico or Canada, we'd be happy. 
So then looking to the bigger picture with regard of trade, if those borders are closed to you for a period of time, that's going to have an immediate impact on the dollars and cents of your producers, but it also will have an effect on your industry, everything from packing and shipping to ultimately transportation. Very true. And there are a lot of non-farm jobs that are going to be affected by what's happening on trade. And I'm not sure people have calculated the cost of that because we generate a lot of non-farm jobs, and trade obviously uh, requires a lot of non, uh, non-farm entities and companies who provide services uh, to our industry. So the uh, amount of damage, I think, at this point is incalculable. Tom, how big is the immigration issue to the Western growers? Number one. What are you losing as the Congress is failing to address the immigration laws and regulations of the country? We have natural attrition of about 20% every year. So the people returning from a foreign country to work in our fields uh, reduces by that amount every year. And there's a uh, tremendous lack of labor supply uh, in this country. We find that people would rather stay in their home country speaking their own language, especially in places like Mexico where their economy has improved and where they can stay uh, out of the shadows in the open and be with their families, speaking their native tongue. Uh, So we're going to continue to lose labor. And unfortunately, uh, the the good Latin bill and all of its iterations does nothing but exacerbate that loss by ensuring that the 1.2 million plus or minus illegals in agriculture Uh, end up going back in the shadows because it would provide a requirement that they convert to a category that used to be H2A, but under the bill is called H2C. Now, our members and the the coalition we're working with, their members, they employ about 70% of the workers affected by this legislation and are opposed to it because they know they're not going to stand up and say, I'm illegal, my wife is illegal, maybe my one of my kids or all of my kids are illegal. Send them back to a country we haven't been to for 20, 30 or more years, and we'll lose our property and all of our rights uh, to own property here in this country and to make the wages we make, and we end up having to become a guest worker and go back to a country we're not familiar with anymore, where we have no ties anymore. They're not going to stand up and do that. If they would do that... We would support the Good Lad Bill because there are many good things in it for the guest workers. But it doesn't address our primary problem, which is our existing workforce, probably 75% of which is illegal. So if you lose the better part of 1.2 million workers and that you have a cap, which we've never had on H2A, of uh, 410,000 for our industry per year, People say, well, my gosh, that's, you know, 1.2 million. Well, that barely replaces the ones we've lost. What about all the ones we need? We understand the future is, is a guest worker program. All we've asked for is time enough to make that transition. For example, we've, we've uh, supported the idea of having, you know, give them five years with an option for five years, protect them and their families, and then require them to convert to H2C or whatever uh, they want to. It could be H2A before it's enacted. 
but give us that transition period so that the future will be all guest workers and the problem will be resolved. But at least it doesn't decimate our existing workforce as this legislation would do. As I say, you know, even with H2A, we're not getting as many people as we used to. Uh, the system was cumbersome when uh, we were using about 200,000 uh, H2A in this country. Imagine what it would be if we needed uh, 2 million uh, plus. Uh, what they don't seem to understand is the president has said we want to bring home our industries that have gone to foreign countries so that they will pay taxes in this country, they will supply jobs in this country, and add to our economy. What this bill does, and with the lack of labor in this country and all the unbelievable burdens we have in the state of California, uh, on agriculture, all of our expansion is going overseas. So all these jobs are going to a foreign country. It's like I've said for the last decade. Foreign workers are going to harvest our crop. The question we have to ask ourselves and answer is, do we want them to harvest those crops in a foreign country, adding to a foreign economy, or do we want them harvesting them in our country, adding to our economy? Because for every farm worker job, we create two to three non-farm jobs. So now you're getting into millions of jobs, and the economic opinion, uh, outcome of that and the economic effect on uh, the U.S. economy. This is an even year with an election. The question is, how do you move policy through the House with a splintered GOP? And how do you find the political will in the Senate to come forward with legislation that, as you suggest, is long overdue? We believe it's not going to be possible to move legislation on agriculture uh, during this, uh, this session. And we're happy to wait if we have to. Until 2019, we would have loved to have had a solution. We've worked very hard uh, to do that. We went from a path to citizenship to a path to legalization uh, to mere work authority and conversion to H2C. And everything we proposed was seen as amnesty. But I find that uh, kind of hypocritical because DACA is amnesty. Uh, making any illegal workforce legal is amnesty. So I think the the folks who are yelling amnesty are, are speaking out of both sides of their mouth when they say we're not going to give amnesty to any of these farm workers. For us, it's an economic and a humanitarian concern, and for them, it's all politics. That's not how you make good law. Tom, can you put numbers to what your industry is losing because you lack adequate workers, and how many workers do you need? Well, we've got about four or 500,000 right here in California. And let's assume that 75% of them are uh, here on, on uh, unlawful documents or false documents. Uh, so, you know, if you say uh, 450,000, then three-quarters of them would be lost. Uh, so that would be uh, 375,000 would be lost. What we need is we need to find an immigration fix and at the same time, we're working with science and technology, and we've created a center for innovation and technology to try and help us with this labor problem, through innovation, through mechanization, just like we've done on the water issue. We're looking for innovative ways to preserve water and to uh, make a smaller footprint on our environment, because we can't rely on the federal government to be our saviors when it comes to an inadequate labor supply. It's going to be only a bipartisan bill can pass 
and be signed by the president. Otherwise, any effort would fail in either the House or the Senate. Who are your probable champions to bring that about? Well, you know, we've always relied on the uh, majority leader, McCarthy, uh, to keep us from having e-verify before we have an adequate fix. We understand he's in a lot of pressure from the Freedom Caucus to pass a bill that basically wipes out agriculture as we know it in California. And so they've got a lot of questions on leadership, on speakership, on committee assignments, that a lot of our folks are under pressure uh, to play ball in order to get support from the Freedom Caucus. But the truth is, the more leadership gives into the Freedom Caucus, the more they empower them. Uh, it's never going to stop. They will try and stop every bill with the threat of not supporting a must-pass bill until they get their way. And unless leadership stands up to them once and for all, and unless more of the Republicans become moderates, it'll never happen. Uh, Jeff Denham has been a great, uh, a great champion. Uh, we've had others uh, that are now waffling on us and aren't giving us the support in California. In fact, uh, I see uh, the Republicans in California overall are, are trying to play ball and pass something that is completely unsuitable and unacceptable for California agriculture. Tom, the House and the Senate may soon come together in a conference on the Farm Bill. In closing, just your thoughts on the House or the Senate language and, and how your growers would be affected by proposed policy for 2018. Well, you know, our objective was to at least keep what we had, and for the most part we've done that. I think overall the Senate bill is more favorable to us, and they've done something on innovation that we couldn't get done in the House by giving us another $125 million for grants in both bills. Innovation has, and technology have a priority listing for uh, especially crop research initiatives grants. Overall, we think it's going to be a, a fairly successful bill. Uh, the difficulty between the House and the Senate is what they do on SNAP, whereas the House has been adamant uh, that they want to reduce uh, SNAP and require certain uh, working conditions. The Senate overwhelmingly uh, passed it with SNAP. So that's going to be a point of contention between the two. Tom Nassif, we want to thank you very much for spending time with us on this edition of Open Mic. Tom, it is Open Mic, and you get the last word. You know, there are a lot of things we're working on. Uh, one of the things we're constantly working on is food safety, and anyone who's listening should know that we're using the best science possible. We're using the best metrics that science can give us to make sure that our food supply is safe. I remember many years ago during the Spanish crisis, uh, we had uh, press from all over the country, and they asked me a simple question. You know, how can you stop this happening? You grow this food outside in the dirt with birds flying over it, animals running through it, and insects crawling about. How can you do that? Well, the answer is it's nearly impossible. But every scientific advancement that's made, every metric that helps us achieve that uh, by testing constantly is what we invoke. We work very closely with FDA and CDC. Our members obviously gain nothing if they don't employ the very best science and practices. It's a net loser for them. So they're doing everything they can 
And I think people should understand that sometimes the news appears that new outbreaks are occurring all the time, when really all that's happening is more people are reporting an outbreak from a single incident. And we don't want people to be misled about that. I mean, most contamination happens in the household or in restaurants. They don't happen in the field. And that's what people forget about. I don't care what the package says. Wash your produce. Make sure your counters are clean. And if we all did with the maximum possible, and if we try and push for more science, more good science, which we do through the Center for Produce Safety. I mean, Western Growers alone donates a million dollars to that to get a safer supply, whereas, you know, we're doing it also supporting uh, the land-grant colleges around uh, California and other universities around the country. Our thanks to Tom Nassif, President and CEO of Western Growers, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by NCIS, the National Crop Insurance Services. America's crop insurance industry is thankful for the continued support of farmers, commodity organizations, rural businesses, lenders, and lawmakers who are fighting to maintain a strong farm safety net. Crop insurance remains the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Nally.